0: As we anticipate the Lord's return, and as we look back and celebrate what God has done in Christ's first coming, there's much to be done. There's much that still needs to happen. Because last week, what we saw is the challenge that, as believers in Christ, as as Christians, as those who claim to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are to run the race that is set before us. And this race means that we need to run away from sin and pursue Christ. That we need to run away from everything that causes us to stumble, that causes us to to go contrary to God's will, that goes contrary to anything that God desires of us, and we need to run to Jesus. And at the end of it, what we saw is that at the finish line is a kingdom that we get to inherit that is unshakable. A kingdom that will last through everything that happens. We've, we've seen over the years, right, we look at history and we can see earthly kingdoms crumble upon crumble upon crumble, but the one thing we know is that God's kingdom will last forever. And that's the celebration that we get to have. And God at the end of that said that he is a consuming fire, which means that we are going to be put through fire, that we're going to go through and through that God's desire is holiness. And he will burn away anything that isn't of him so that what is left is what is of him. And so this morning, we are going to finish up our series in Hebrews. Has this been encouraging to you? Has it been good? I can tell you this. I mean, I, and this has been a good book even for my own spiritual walk and the challenge of, of like, examining, okay, what what is causing me to stumble? What do I need to get rid of? What do I need to just let go of? And so this morning, let's pray as we get started um, in Hebrews 13. Jesus, this morning, God, as we finish up and as we look at your final exhortations that you've inspired the writer of Hebrews to make, Lord, I pray that, uh, that we would be encouraged by that, that we challenged. God, and we, we just want to celebrate what you've done and what you're going to do. want to celebrate the past. want to celebrate the future and the present. So this morning, Lord, I pray, God, that you would speak through me. May your words come out of my mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me to chapter 13 of Hebrews. Uh, this is the final, the final chapter. Um, so we're going to start in verse 1. And it just says this. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all. and Let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper I will not fear what can man do to me. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. <coughs> Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Do not, let, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those who devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the ten have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For there we will have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him then let us continually offer up sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips, and they acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. And those who will have to give an account, let them do with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are such that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. <laughs> so I got to tell you guys a funny, funny story that happened to me the other day. So we had pie night, which was great, right? I love pie. All these things are happening. And so here's the thing. Um, when we got here, on the way here, I said, oh, Becky, don't worry. I'll get a ride home. Uh, I'll get a ride home. I'll ask somebody to give me a ride home. And so she told me, she's like, make sure of that. Pay attention, make sure of that. And so I get here, we enjoy pie night, it's in my mind. We begin to set up Christmas gifts and then Sheila and I get away with uh, setting up the new keyboard and trying to adjust everything that I lost focus and forgot. So it's nine o'clock, everyone's left. I go walk outside to go to lock the door and turn around. I realize that my car's not here. All right, so I'm like, all right, Becky's home and sleeping. I, I'm not going to disturb anybody else. I don't want her to get up. I have to get out in the cold again. And so I start running. I start walking home. I get to the end of the road here, um, to about to make a left on the major road, and right pulls next to me as a cop. He says, hey, is everything okay? <laughs> I said, sir, can you give me a ride home? <laughs> I said, here's, what, here's what's happened. I blinked out, my wife left, I had pie night. I'm the pastor here by the way, I'm pastor of this church. My wife left, I totally forgot that I had to find a ride home and everyone left and so I'm trying to get home. So he calls it in, he gets out, he says let me see your license. I said okay, here's my license, so he calls in, he has to do a background check on me right then and there. So he calls in, check my license and uh, I'm clear. Good right, amen, I'm clear, great. (laughs) And so he's like, hey, do you have any guns or bombs or anything on you? And I said, no. And so I get in. So he's like, all right. He's like, you can get in the back of the cop car. He's like, just so you know, it's not going to open from the inside. <laughs> and I'm over here going, I never imagined that I'd be in the back of a cop car. <laughs> but here I am, driving home in the back of a cop car. And in the three minutes of finding home, here are some of the things that I found out about him. He got married in this church. His daughter got married in this church. And he's been a cop for 26 years. And I say all that for many different reasons. But when we read the book of Hebrews, the one thing that keeps popping up is pay attention. Right? Pay attention. Don't forget. I totally forgot. And as a result, like, you know, this happened. But I'm so thankful because in the process of that happening, I got to hang out with a stranger, someone I didn't know, find out about his life, find out about everything that's happening to him. And, and the one thing that I got to say through all this is that, you know, last week we, we talked about how God disciplines us and God puts us in, in avenues and places for us to grow and closer to him, for us to, uh, to pay attention to, uh, for us to just fall in love with him and become more like him. And sometimes he, he allows things to happen through our forgetfulness things like that. And while it was awkward at first to ask a cop if I can get a ride home, I'm grateful for that opportunity because it really got for me to help to understand where he's at, his perspective on life. Um, And and we got to talk about all the things that that are happening to cops around the world. And the the unfortunate thing that that the cops are just stepping down. They're tired of dealing with everything that's happening. and, And so they're they're stepping down and, and they're, they're tired. They don't see the light at the end of the tunnel and for them, a lot of them don't, don't wanna persevere. They wanna, they wanna go on to a new job and they wanna do things and you look around and, and unfortunately, that's gonna harm society. As more cops step down and less cops are coming up, it's not gonna be good. But in the mindset of that, as Christians, we're called to persevere. It's so easy for us to say, you know what, I don't want the pressure anymore. I don't want the, don't want the weight uh, of sharing my faith anymore. I don't want the weight of striving for holiness anymore. I just want to live my life, and I want to do the things that I want to do. And, and as Christians, Christ is saying, no, persevere. Because the light at the end of the tunnel, we get to see that light at the end of the tunnel. We get to see that, that the kingdom that is ours in Christ of heirs is glorious and great. And the writer of Hebrews is finishing up this letter to these Jewish Christians who, who, who are considering just to give up. And he's saying, don't give up because the prize is so worth it. The temporary pain of what you're facing is totally worth it. And unfortunately, a lot of things that we experience on earth like, are totally contrary to what Christ can give us. For some police officers, yeah, there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and the best thing for them is to step down to pursue something else. But as Christians, our calling is to persevere because what is to come is greater than anything we can experience on this world. And that's exactly what is happening here. And so he he finished this, up this letter to the Hebrews, and I don't know about you, Um, I, I know for me, like, Man, I miss letter writing. I miss being able to read someone's handwriting and, and experiencing all they're experiencing to the point that I still have all of Becky's letters that she wrote me when I was dating. And every once in a while, I, I get to look at them and encouraged uh, by where we were and where we're at. Um, and, and so he's finishing up this letter and he gives all these little nuggets and he's challenges that, that he's challenging Christians to do. And hi- this is the first one. We are called to be a family that loves each other. He says, love with brotherly love. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Continue to do that because as persecution gets harder, you need the encouragement of each other to get through. Next one is this. We are called to be a body of believers who are intent about reaching the lost. He says, be careful how you act around strangers because you don't know who you're interacting with. I mean, for some of them, you can look at scripture, and there's sometimes that they actually interacted with an angel and not realizing it. But our intent is to be intentional about the people that we get to interact with on a daily basis. And, and I'm so thankful that I got to interact with the police officer here in town. But we never know. And so we've got to be intentional about reaching the lost. Not only are we called to love each other, but we're called to love those outside the church. And that is the beautiful thing about the Great Commandment, about the Great Commission, is that it is twofold. We're to encourage each other, and we're to go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus. We are called to pray for the persecuted church. We're called to focus and pray for those who are in prison, because a lot of times those who are in prison during this time were there because of their faith. And so he's saying, be careful, pray. Pray for the persecuted church. Pray that for the believers who, who are in prison, See, now prison back then wasn't a time that you spent in for a length of time like it is now. You know, you get arrested, you can be in prison for five years. For them, it was a trial or until their debt was paid. So for some of them, they can be in prison for a short time or a long time, until they have a trial or, or until their debt is paid. But for them, it gets to a certain point and then they're sold into slavery back in the day. But the intention is, as believers, we can see across the world that Christians are being persecuted, Christians are being arrested, Christians are all these things are happening. And he's saying, pray for them as if you were one of them. So we're called to pray for the persecuted church. We're called to pray for those who are in prison. And I think this goes beyond that. I'm so thankful for the friends I have whose ministry is the prison who goes to the prison to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And I can tell you that here in the Alliance, in our district alone, we are, we are planting churches with people who, who are getting out of prison. We're planting churches that have uh, a man and, and woman houses. Why? Because we realize that Christ desires their relationship as well. And so I'm so thankful for that. Next one is this, is that we get to show the world the importance and value in remaining sexually pure and honoring marriage. If you look at our society, this is one of those things that are just thrown out the window. Our world doesn't honor marriage like it used to. Our world thinks that that you can just have sex with anyone and it doesn't matter. Our world saying that sex outside of marriage is good and right. Why? Because you have to know how good they are in bed before you can marry them, right? And I'm saying this because this was actually a question that was asked of me when I was with Sintas and I was getting married to, to Becky. I had guys coming up to me saying, wait, you're a virgin? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, well, how do you know how good she is? And I said, well, first off, that's my business. Second off, marriage is more than that. Marriage is more than, than sex, but our world thinks that it's all about that. But it was a chance for me to share the good news of Jesus with them. For me to say, look, I believe what Christ says about marriage. The marriage is between one man and one woman. The marriage is meant, the sex is meant for marriage. That We are called to honor that, and we're called to respect that. But he's saying in this passage, he says, look, make sure that each of you are, are, are staying sexually pure, that you're honoring marriage, not only in sex, but, but as husbands and wives, we're called to, to, to love each other, to respect each other, to encourage each other, to lead each other towards Jesus. And men, if we're not leading our wives towards Jesus, then they have no right to submit to us. If we are not pointing them to Christ and we're abusing them a- and we're leading them wrongly, like, that, that, that's on us. And, and that weight, and we're going to have to answer to that. And so Christ says, men, love your spouse as well. Point them to Jesus. And in doing that, they will faithfully follow you. We're called to be the leaders. But that means that we have to point them to Jesus and Jesus alone. We have to respect them. And why? Same thing. If your husband desires to follow Jesus, and he is leading well, your calling is to follow him. Your calling is to love him. Your calling is to support him. Because if he's leading you towards Jesus, then that's the best thing that anybody can have. So when we lead each other towards Jesus. Sexual sin carries heavy weight and scripture says that it will be punished and sex within the content of marriage is good and worthy to be celebrated we are called to be and we get to show the world that satisfaction is found in Christ he says to be content to not love money to be okay with what you have this is not saying that the money is wrong I I mean, if you have a chance to make money, great, fantastic, fabulous, do it. But what he's saying is don't allow money to be your focus. Don't allow money to control your thoughts, your actions, and everything that you do. Don't allow money to control your family. Don't allow money to control the decisions you make. Allow Christ to be at the center of that. Allow Christ to be what controls you, what leads you towards him. Allow Christ to be where your decisions come from. And money is good. But if we focus so much on money and focus so much on all the things that we can have, it takes us away from Christ. Now, we're in the season of Christmas, and I don't let you. But every commercial is about, here, buy this, buy this, buy this. And I don't know about you. But, I mean, I struggle sometimes, and I'm like, that looks nice. That looks nice. How much is that? 800 bucks? Nope. But we have all of these things in the world that's coming at us, th- and the world's saying, Buy this. You won't be happy until you buy this. You won't be happy until you have this. You won't be happy until you have this much money. And all of these things. And Christ is, says, No, focus on me. Say, I love the passage in Matthew. In Matthew chapter 6, it says this. It says, don't lay up for for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart would also be. So where's your treasure? Is your treasure in the physical, material possessions of a world or is your treasure in Christ? And through Christ, you're content. Through Christ, you are satisfied. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? we not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. <laughs> when we focus on money, and allows us to consume us. We become anxious and worried and fearful. But if we know that if we seek the kingdom of God first and we seek serving him, he will provide for everything that we need. Know that. Everything we need, not everything we want. I mean, I want a nice new uh, Ford pickup, right? But I know that I can't afford that. And so I'm driving around in a 2004 Toyota Corolla thanking God that I can get from A to B. But when we focus on Christ, He will provide for what we need, when we need it. So we don't have to focus, and, and our lives don't have to be consumed by everything we make. And I love this verse in Psalms. In Psalms 11810, actually, yeah, 1186. He says, You don't have to worry about any of that, and you can be content with Christ. Why? Because the Lord is your helper. The Lord is your helper. And it he says this The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. And so he's encouraging, like, look to Jesus. And I love this, right? Psalms 118 is the center chapter in the whole entire Bible. There are exactly 594 chapters before and exactly 594 chapters after. And when you add those numbers together, it goes to 118. uh, 118. And the verse at the very center of the Bible says this, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. When we think about everything that comes at us, all of our stress, all of our anxiety, all of our fears, it is better to trust and take refuge in the Lord and allow him to provide for what we need, allow him to comfort our anxiety, to comfort our fear, than to allow man to do that. And so we are to love Christ over money. And this is a hard one. but we are called to support, obey, and pray for the spiritual leaders that God has put here at Faith Bible Church. We are called to be obedient and to submit to their leadership. Now you might be thinking, man, like what about, what if if they're not being obedient to the Lord? Well, if they're not being obedient to the Lord, then you don't have to submit to them as Christ's followers, as leaders of a church, our calling is to protect and lead the sheep that God has called us to shepherd well. But we can look throughout history, and we can look even in recent events, and we can see all the elders and all the pastors that are abusing their authority and their leadership, and they're not pointing people to Jesus. They're not pointing people to the truth. They're leading them astray, and they're hurting the body. And as a result, all of Christians and all leaders are usually sometimes lumped into that, and it's unfortunate. Because we can look at everything in the world, right? Like, unfortunately, there are a few bad cops that, that mess up the whole entire thing, even though we know that there are great cops out there. There are great leaders that we have. And same thing in the church. As, as leaders, as Christian, as, as elders of this church, we are called to, to upstand the truth of Scripture. and We're called to lead you guys well. And if at any point we are not doing that, then we're not being the leaders that God has called us to be. Spiritual abuse, leadership abuse, elder abuse, pastor abuse is real. And we're not going to have it. And i got to say this. Out of all the churches that I've been a part of, I am thoroughly encouraged by the leaders that we have here at Faith Bible Church. Through our meetings and our actions, I can tell that they absolutely love Jesus. They absolutely desire to hear from God. They absolutely desire to point this church in the right direction towards Jesus. Now, what this doesn't mean, right, as spiritual leaders, our calling is not to, to submit to your preference. Some of you here may, may love hymns, and that's all we want to sing, but the reality is, is there's so many other great Christian songs out there. And so when we, we, when we say we're, we're called to lead you spiritually well, we're called to point you to Jesus, it's not submitting to the preferences of our people. It's submitting to the Christ wants for our church. And sometimes that is a balance. Sometimes it's more than others. Sometimes it's making decisions that you may not like, but Christ has called us to do it. But the second that we're abusing our authority, the second that we're hurting you, the second that we are not pointing you in the right direction, is the second that we're not being obedient to what Christ has for us. And so the Hebrew writer of Hebrews says, remember, look back, right? He says, remember, those who speak to you the word of God, Right? If we are speaking anything else but the word of God, then that's totally contrary to scripture. We can look back, and he says, remember your leaders, meaning look back. Some of them have, have given up their lives for their faith. They've been martyred. He says, imitate them. Obey and submit to them, because what they teach is not because of them, but they're teaching what Christ has called them to teach. Right? Disciple-making is to go into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe and obey everything that I've commanded you. So as elders, our calling is to lead because of what Christ teaches, not because of what we want, but because of what Christ teaches. They are the ones that have to answer to Christ. He says this. He says they have to give an account. Your spiritual leaders have to give an account. And if they're not leading you well, they're going to have to answer to the Lord for that as to why you are not shepherding my flock well. Elders are put in place to love, serve, and lead the church well. And if they're leading well, our calling is to pray for them. Our calling is to allow their ministry to be full with joy. I've been a part of churches where elders were not full of joy. And they were downtrodden and they were discouraged. And it didn't end uh, it wasn't well for the church because their ministry was more laborsome than joyful. See, the role of elder is a high calling. People don't go into church saying, you know what? True Christ followers don't go into church saying, uh, man, I, w- I want eldership because I want all the authority. They go into it because they said, that Christ is, this is what Christ is calling me to do. But I've seen it, right? I've seen churches and I've heard stories where people wanted to become an elder because they wanted control Eldership is not about having control of the church and making decisions. Elders is about leading and loving the flock well. They have a high responsibility. Every decision that we make as elders could either lead people away from Christ or towards Christ. And our hope and desire is that every decision we make is for Jesus. We, get to, we are called to show the world that we are committed to Jesus Christ. He's saying, stay committed. Worship the Lord. Allow your praises to rise. Allow your lips to proclaim his name. As Christians, we get to show the world, hey, we're not changing. We love Jesus. We want to follow Jesus. We want you to follow Jesus. We want you to know Christ loves you, that Christ desires a relationship with you. And Christ has called us for his glory and his glory alone. And so, as Christians, we are called to go shout it. Tell people about Jesus. Don't be intimidated. Because if we truly believe that Christ empowers us and that Christ is in us, he's going to give us the words that we need to proclaim to the world that he is good, that he is holy, that he is God of the universe. And if we truly follow Christ, then we would will be willing, we will willingly lay down our comfort for the sake of gaining Christ. If we truly believe in Jesus, then we're willing to make his name known in our lives and our actions and our words and how we parent and how we, we love our spouses and how we love our co-workers and how we serve our churches and our schools and our businesses. But in all of this, all of this stands upon one truth that we have in scripture, in this little nugget here in Hebrews 13 that he says, he says this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can do this. We can tell the world that we're committed to Jesus. We can honor marriage. We can love and submit to our, our elders and all these things. Why? Because Christ never changes. And if Christ never changes, then his words remain true from all eternity, from beginning to end. And so if Jesus never changes, it means that his love for us never changes. Jesus never changes, which means his truth never changes. Jesus never changes, which means his promises will always come true. And if his promises always come true, then we have confidence and hope that we can stand upon them. Because we live, right? We live in a world that changes. We live in a world that's pushing on the church to change their beliefs, to change the way they do ministry, to change all of these things. And yeah, as a church, we're called to be creative. We're called to think outside the box. But the one thing we're not called to do is to step away from truth. So as Christian, we're called to stand upon the Word of God, and we're we're called to proclaim the Word of God and the truth of Scripture. Yeah, we could do it differently, we can do it thoughtfully, we can do it creatively, but all of these things rest upon this. Since his truth never changes, that means we shouldn't step off of that truth. He is the stable source in a life that is unstable. You may feel that you're unstable. You may feel that your life is out of control, but the one thing that Christ says is, I'm the stable one. Rest in me. I never change. Discipleship. Alan Mahler says this. Discipleship. The discipleship consists of living our lives before others in such a way that they learn from us, not only from what we teach, but also from how we live. As Christians, we're called to not only speak truth, but we're called to live it out. We're called to love others. We're called to point people to Jesus Christ. We're not called to mistreat them. We're not called to make them feel as if they're less human than they are because everyone's created in the image of God, regardless of what path of life they're on. We're called to make them feel and know that Christ loves them. And when we gain that trust, we have the freedom to speak truth into their lives. Christ isn't calling us to a perfect life when he calls us to holiness. He knows that we can't be perfect. He knows that we can't achieve that on this world, but he's calling us to a life of submission to him. Our daily sacrifice is a life submitted to him. Paul Tripp says this, if you're a child, if you're God's child, you too must remember who you are and what you've been given. It is never you against the world because your life has been invaded by the grace and glory of Emmanuel. Say no to fear and live with the hope and courage that come only when you remember that the Lord is near. The Lord is near. He's your helper. He's your comforter. He goes before you. We don't have to be afraid so you must ask yourselves as you evaluate your life, am I a child of God? Do I believe that Christ is at the center of my life? Do I believe that I'm living a life that's intentional about becoming more like Jesus Christ? And I'm intentional about striving towards holiness. And I'm intentional about reaching the lost and loving strangers. That I'm intentional about honoring my spouse and honoring my marriage and honoring my relationships. All of those things point others to Jesus. And so as Christians, our calling is to strive towards holiness, knowing that we will fall. But when we fall, who are you looking at? What are you looking at? Are you looking back at Christ saying, Lord, forgive me. I confess my sins. I repent. Help me to walk towards you. And so as we close this morning, I felt that a great way to apply some of the challenges is through something the elders and I have been processing and talking about for a few months. But we've never had the chance to do it. And so, right now, I want to invite the elders to come up. As far as I'm aware, as far as I know and I can see, is that the elders have never had a proper installation service. They've never been properly challenged, the church has never been properly challenged. And so this morning, I felt it would be a great way for us to apply some of the truths of what Hebrews is saying about about being obedient to leaders because the elders, their desires, their heart is to lead you well. And so I'm going to invite the elders to come up, actually, just because of where the camera is.